0: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who is preparing for the robot takeover by befriending her Roomba, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is United States Secretary of Commerce, Penny Pritzker. Secretary Pritzker has served in President Obama's cabinet since June of 2013. Before that, she founded Pritzker Realty Group and the private investment firm PSP Capital. We're going to talk about cybersecurity, training workers for the digital era, and a lot more. Secretary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here in D.C. I get to meet all the secretaries. Terrific. Um, So... Let's talk a little bit about your background and and Mm -hmm. what you've been doing in the past, because the Obama administration is coming to a close, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think you just had 100 days, correct?
1: Yeah, I think we have 93 left.
0: 93 left. So talk a little bit about what you think has happened in the administration and and then we'll talk a little bit about the digital economy and preserving because it, obviously it's a big issue in the next in, with the next administration.
1: Absolutely. So when President Obama asked me to take this job, he asked me to come in and do a couple of things. First of all, build a bridge with the business community that he was not pleased with where it was at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then to make sure the voice of business was heard in policy making, and then to be the chief commercial advocate for American business both domestically and around the world. Mm-hmm and how that relates to the digital economy was really if you can imagine we were Mm post-Snowden the relationship with the tech community was challenged And so part of what we at the Department of Commerce have done is to really engage with the tech community and to develop a digital agenda so that we're working with business leaders on the issues that are most important, both to the government and to the private sector.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll get into the AI announcements just recently. But when you say it was tense, what does that mean? Was it just that um, tech doesn't really involve itself in government very much to start with? But Obama was very, they're very excited about the Obama administration because at least he knew how to turn on a computer.
1: Yeah, yeah I would say that the relationship was post-Snowden. There was concern with uh, the revelations and what's mm-hmm. the relationship between the government and the tech sector. And what we've done and worked on very hard over the last three years is to say there is actually a reason to for the tech sector to engage with the government. Mm-hmm. Many reasons. First is... Think of all the new technologies, mm-hmm. whether it's autonomous vehicles or it's unmanned aerial systems or it's the Internet of Things or it's self-driving artificial cars. intelligence, self driving cars, on and on. There's a public policy reason. For the government to be uh, mm-hmm. engaged in these issues, and the idea that development or innovation is just going to occur in a vacuum wasn't going to happen. So mm-hmm. there was important there. Second, and I think most important, we have a shortage in the federal government of technologists. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've been promoting and others have promoted is the idea that more and more tech companies should think about having some of their employees come spend time working in the government, come Mm -hmm. for a year, come for two years, come help us with some of the challenges that we're facing as governments, but also help really bring tech thinking into the government and have there be a cross-fertilization.
0: Why hadn't that happened? Because, you know, this Internet thing has been kind of big. Like, people, it's
1: been very seem, big.
0: The kids seem to love it and uh, well, and, and, in and fact the government created obviously.
1: Absolutely, and in fact, I don't know why it hadn't happened, but let's just take stock of where we're at. We've mm-hmm. got 3.2 billion people online. That number's going to go to 5 billion uh by 2020. And so and the inter- mobile internet as an economy is going to be about a trillion dollar market by 2025. So, you know, for us at the Department of Commerce, this is a big marketplace, a big sector, and we needed to engage.
0: It's also one where the U.S. is dominant at this point.
1: Absolutely. But not
0: increasingly not so, you know, as the Chinese and other uh, governments, mostly the Chinese I would say is probably the biggest challenge.
1: Yeah. What I would say is we can't take our dominance for granted mm-hmm. and that's where a partnership between the pro- tech community and the government really makes sense. If you think about it, as the di- as the digital economy has grown, you have an increased cyber threats, you have increased challenges to privacy or mm-hmm. questions around privacy, automation is challenging the nature of work, And so, and then we have companies, I mean, excuse me, countries around the world that are embracing policies that they're using to stifle competition, uh, stifle innovation, and really uh, limit free expression. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, using policies like data localization, content controls, and um, onerous technical standards that can be used to discourage foreign investors. Mm -hmm. So that's a place, those are issues where the government should engage. Mm -hmm. But what we found is we're more effective engaging with the private sector, understanding the issues from the point of view of the private sector, and then in some instances not only engaging government to government, but bringing the private sector along with us to explain why their policies are stifling foreign investment in Mm -hmm. different countries. In fact, when President Obama hosted the ASEAN leaders earlier this year, we brought the heads of IBM, Cisco and Microsoft to sit with the government leaders from the 10 ASEAN countries and explain to them how their specific policies were impeding those companies from making significant investments in their countries, something those government heads wanted to have happen. So, you know, one of the ways that we – that's what we call commercial diplomacy, where we bring CEOs to talk Mm -hmm. with government leaders. The other way that we can help with some of these issues is we've just – expanded our digital attaches in markets around the world. These mm-hmm. are uh, folks that we've brought in as part of our foreign commercial service, and their job is to help American businesses navigate the local uh, policies and regulations that affect digital services or providing digital Mm -hmm. products. Um, They also help increase e-commerce exports and increase access for U.S. companies. So
0: one of the things, when you started to do this and you started to engage them, what was the attitude that you had? Again, they were friendly to President Obama. They gave more money than any president has gotten.
1: You know, one of the benefits of being someone who comes from the private sector and having spent 27 years in the Mm -hmm. private sector, I have a good understanding of, you know, How CEOs think. I've been a CEO. And what they're thinking about is, why should I spend my time investing in this relationship? Mm -hmm. Is this going to work? Is this going to benefit the company or benefit my community or benefit my stakeholders in Mm -hmm. some way? And so the way the conversation has gone is, let me explain to you what we're thinking about as a digital agenda. Do you think this is valuable to you? Mm -hmm. So what we did is we developed a digital agenda that was focused first on free and open Internet, Mm -hmm. something all of us take for granted, but is increasingly under threat. Mm -hmm. Second is to focus on trust online. The issues of privacy and security and encryption. Mm-hmm. Those are issues that are definitely affecting different businesses. Third issue access and a skilled workforce that can both work in right. the digital economy and as well as work with uh, automated uh, uh, machinery and then fourth is new technologies like we discussed. Well what we found is a very receptive audience by the CEOs and the leaders in in the tech community who said, "Yeah, those are important issues to us." Then what we had to, what the other thing we had to do is prove it's worth your while. So for example, if you look at the EU-US Privacy Shield, which was the renegotiation of the former Safe Harbor, we at the Department of Commerce led that. We worked closely with private sector, as well as other parts of our government, to really br- make sure that we could put a privacy shield or safe harbor back in place. So if you remember that, safe harbor was really at risk. And what rides on that safe harbor is $260 billion of digital services that go back and forth between the United States right. and you know across the Atlantic to the EU. By delivering, all of a sudden you get you develop a credibility with the tech community that right. says, oh, these people not only are engaging with us, getting our opinion, but they're actually using it to benefit and strengthen the credibility of American but, tech companies. But, but let's
0: go through all the different issues, all the, the areas. Let's start with privacy and cybersecurity. One of the first things that happened very early, I think it was probably you were still in place, was the, um, the government hacking mm-hmm. of the NSA stuff. Very difficult situation between mm-hmm. the administration and the government. It was followed by the encryption fight over Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, different people in the administration had different points of view. Ash Carter was more pro-encryption, which, you know, I mean, it's very, very mm-hmm. different people. So talk about those two issues, uh, because at one point, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton, for example, is much less pro-encryption. She's more st- hard on the idea that these companies have their own powers in this area, and, and they look at it as protecting consumers. So let's talk about encryption and then that the government hacking itself post-Snowden and all the revelations. Yeah. So
1: let's take encryption first and then okay. cybersecurity in general. So encryption, you know, the challenge that we face is, is one of security versus security. Yes. Yes. The challenge being, you know, what access does law enforcement with a valid warrant have to get at information that's either in motion or that's sitting on devices or sitting in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And th- what they're facing is increasingly more and more services are being offered that where it's not possible to be able to access that right. information. That's the point. And so this is the tension that exists. And what we are trying to do in the in in the administration is to understand, you know, it won't work for our society if everything goes, all information goes dark and is mm-hmm. not available to the FBI or to law enforcement at all. And so the question becomes, how do you address that? And how do you actually work with the private sector? We at the Department of Commerce think we should work with the private sector to try and solve for what is Evolving to an un, a not sustainable situation mm-hmm. for our security and our national security. So that's, so it's not you do been in resolved. What is situation?
0: Here you are at the Department of Commerce, sort of representing business or, or So reasons. first we're part and you of the, the FBI sort of attacking.
1: and Yeah, and so we're part of the conversations with the FBI, with the intelligence. So What do you do? The,
0: what was your role?
1: My, our role is to represent, is to both in the conversations with law enforcement represent what are the implications of the various actions that the law enforcement Mm -hmm. would like to do on US companies and on innovation and then likewise with the private sector to sit with government with uh, business leaders and to say look the situation is untenable and not sustainable Mm -hmm. going forward. we need to come together to try and find a solution we're in the middle of those conversations as it is, and there's not a resolution. Where,
0: where do you want the res- Where do you think the resolution is? Because you know, these things already exist, and if they don't exist here, they exist elsewhere.
1: Exactly, and so, so that's the practical reality. And what you realize is, is as you dig deeper and understand the technology better, which I've gotten the opportunity to do, you can't just solve for one piece of the problem. You mm-hmm. have to really look at it holistically. I'm a belie- I don't know what the right solution is because mm-hmm. I'm not a technologist what I would say is I believe that to find the right solution we have to find safe place where government and the private sector can come together and acknowledge that we as a society have already said there are some limits to our privacy. We already do have mm-hmm. warrants that allow, with a valid warrant, you can go into someone's right. home. I don't think valid was the issue. I think it was, it was un, unlocking these encryptions. And,
0: you know, they do honor most of the valid ones. I think it's the ones that did not seem
2: No, but what
1: the conversation we're having is government is Mm -hmm. when you do have a valid warrant, what do you do? Right. And so that's a challenge because there are some places where even with a valid warrant, you can't Mm -hmm. get into the device or get access to the information. Were you
0: surprised by how hard Apple was on this, how stringent they were?
1: I think that in general, people were taken aback by that.
0: And where is it now?
1: I think what we're trying to do is, is to work, is to see if we can find a common place where we can work together on this problem. But it is not resolved. Not
0: resolved. All right, let's move on to, in that area, um, hacking by foreign governments. Mm-hmm. And, our you know, obviously the U.S. does this, everyone does it, but it's been a big issue in the election with the Russian hacking and voting, Chinese hacking it seems like every day there's some
1: well it's it, you know here's the real challenge which is you know obviously as we've talked about the internet's ubiquitous but cyber's the only domain where we ask private companies to defend against nation states
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you but know that's an excellent point which is and, <laughs> and they're the only ones that can actually exactly and so government has this solemn obligation to protect our people against systemic threats mm-hmm. that's you know the construct but the challenge that we face is regulations and legislation are not systems they're systems that are not designed to be able to address this kind of dynamic challenge of mm-hmm. cybersecurity again we are going to have to find a common place where the where we have to work together the government and the private sector so much of our critical infrastructure is run by the private sector mm-hmm. and all of this is connected and so our ability to defend against these countries is something that requires us to be able the private sector and the public sector to work together that's why the cyber legislation was so mm-hmm. important to create immunity or to limit liability actually it not create immunity but limit liability um, so w- when you cooperate with the federal government which is really important The things that we've done is at the Department of Commerce, we created the cybersecurity framework. So we're all talking about common language, a common way of judging where we are in our presentation, either as government or as the private company, in addressing cybersecurity. We've also, the president, created a cybersecurity commission, which we, as the department, serve as the secretariat. And then what we at the Department have done also is create something called the uh, National Cyber Center of Excellence where we work with the private sector on solving cyber technology challenges so for example think about how do you keep a police car cyber secure Mm -hmm or how do I keep a networked IV, you're in the hospital, cyber secure, let alone an autonomous vehicle. Well, given everything is
0: moving now, yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: So these are challenges where, again, the public sector, the government, has come together with the private sector to do research to solve those problems. And then the other thing that we've done, you know, we as a country are short 200,000 cybersecurity workers. Mm -hmm. And so we need to train more people to be in this field. And with that we've created a stand you know, we've worked with the private education organizations yeah. to create a standard curriculum. So, so we're going we're to get into t- the
0: idea of jobs and where that's going because that's one area that we're so mm-hmm. but how as a as someone who is involved with business every day nervous should we be about these attacks?
1: Well, I think that frankly you know, running the Department of Commerce, I'm nervous. Yeah, where's your? Right? I can't wait for your emails, Ben. You I'm so uh, excited. <laughs> exactly, but uh, you know, and the reason is, is because it's a dynamic challenge, right? Right. This is not something where if well, you, you solve see, it's for, in real time happening in this campaign, right? But now. it's also happening. That, you know, as sophisticated as we all get mm-hmm. to protect ourselves, the folks who are attacking us become more sophisticated and as run well. By the governments. Exactly, and so you know this is a this we have not solved this problem, and so therefore I remain nervous.
0: And you're worried, and you're you're being more careful with your emails, presumably.
1: (laughs) Well, we all should be careful uh, with our communication right now because (laughs) you you know. But my view is is that again, this is where, given that structure of the U.S. economy, Mm -hmm. we've got to have the government and the private sector work work together. together, and that's where commerce comes in.
0: We're here with Secretary of Commerce Penny Pritzker and we're talking about all kinds of issues. And we just were touching on the idea of jobs and not enough tech workers. That's one thing. But I think the more interesting thing because it's beyond just the tech workers, which we need more of clearly and other countries are training up their workers in tech rather significantly. And it's the one place where employment exists. One of the things that has been brought up is the, and we'll talk a little bit about AI, is the changing nature of the job market. One, the gig economy and how laws should change. And two, the utter replacement of jobs by artificial intelligence. We just had uh, Elon Musk at our code conference and he was talking about this and every now and then everyone in Silicon Valley realizes that AI and eventually replace enormous numbers of jobs. So and, and right now in this election there's a real worry about jobs, the, the rage of a lot of people who were left behind in the last transition and this could be even more wrenching. So let's talk a little bit about the, first let's talk about the gig economy. How do you, regulations need to
1: change of how workers work? Correct? I think that, yes, we've got to think about, you know, what is the safety net for somebody who is full-time in the gig economy, Mm -hmm. and how is that going to be structured? And the arbitrage that goes on for a work, you know, where uh, an employer can take advantage, and I don't mean in a negative sense of uh, not providing certain safety net because of the structure of employment, that's a challenge for the United States, because we need uh, everyone to have a certain basic safety mm-hmm. net for society to right. function. have now
0: 50 million Americans, and most millennials, it, millennials now are changing their jobs 10, 12 times, and this is how they think of jobs.
1: But what I also find so interesting, being a user of uh, you know various services, that mm-hmm. driving services, What's your favorite? Uh, you know, I'm a Uber and Lyft user, and, uh, and right? frankly, you know, I love these services. Mm-hmm. I always am talking to the folks who are providing the services. Mm-hmm. Do you do this full time? How do you like it? Mm-hmm. I have yet to meet someone who's providing those services who isn't happy with the fact they're doing it. They mm-hmm. like it. I've met some who do it full time and some who are supplementing their income. Mm-hmm. And that's a fabulous thing. Think about, you know, I can with relatively low barrier to entry if I want to supplement my income or if I can drive, I can you know basically,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, bridge from one occupation to another or make this my full time occupation. I've met f- I've met couples where this is what they do full time right. because it allows them then to take care of their kids. You know, it's so this is all great. All good, but all good, but what it's doing is, the point that you're raising is, we're living in a time of of change in the nature of work. First is, and I think that's leading to a lot of the anxiety that you we're experiencing in our country right now. I think the causes of that are multiple. It's not one thing. First of all, it's globalization. It's the fact that, Obviously, you know, it's easier to, with the Internet, it's easier to move, and with... Logistics companies and with easy transportation, it's easy to sell your goods or compete globally. Mm-hmm. And so that creates uncertainty and that is um, anxiety producing for certain uh, workers. The second thing is automation. You know, we now all work with technology. Mm-hmm. And either it's you may be if you're in, let's say, advanced manufacturing, you're working with different machines, or if you're in a services job, we're working with our various um, phones and pads and Mm -hmm. computers, etc. So being digitally literate now is sort of a basic thing, skill that you need. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, you know, the rise of new technologies like artificial intelligence mm-hmm. that are, you know, the last week the White House released mm-hmm. two reports on artificial intelligence. One that sort of takes survey of where's the current state. Second is looking at what kind of research and development needs to go on. But the third is they've asked for an additional uh, report that will come out this fall um, about what's the implications of, of artificial intelligence on work. Um, you know, artificial intelligence is not a good or a bad thing. It has the opportunity well, to, yeah. um, well, it could advance social goods. It Absolutely. could help you protect people. It can, you know, help to make our lives safer. Decision making is much better when a exactly. makes it comes to it. Exactly. On the other hand, it could supplant. Jobs And so that's a challenge so that we talk face. Talk about that
0: issue, because one of the things that uh, Elon Musk was talking about when we were interviewing him, you know, when Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook or Sundar Pichai of Google came on, it was sort of a happy, shiny future of AI and how it's going to help us. And, you know, I like my echo just like everybody else, and I'm very happy with mm-hmm. it. But it also creates a situation where jobs are eliminated, not replaced with new ones, actually eliminated, like radiology. Computers do it better. There's even AI reporters who probably are better than I am at this point. Um, So you think about it, and what he was talking about is one issue is that computers get to the level in the most benign of situations where we are like, they treat us like a house cat. Like they do everything for us. The second thing is they actually supplant all jobs. So what, how do you, it's almost like shifting from the agricultural economy to the manufacturing economy and even more wrenching than moving from the manufacturing economy to this economy.
1: Well, I think that you know, as the president said, we're not going to put technology back in a box. Mm -hmm. And so to solve this, what we need to do, I believe, or to to address this challenge, Mm -hmm. it's about education and workforce training. And we've got to continue to evolve to be able to uh, work with machinery. Mm -hmm. Uh, I you know elon's a very very uh technology savvy person Mm -hmm. but uh, you know the question is are all jobs really going away or does this mean we're going to have to work differently Mm -hmm. and could you ever imagine an economy where we don't work Where,
2: where
0: computers do the most of the things and we do not
1: i it's very hard for me to imagine that right um you know we have you know I'm a believer in the human being. At the end of the day, we need you know we That's may- a big stance, a controversial. Yes, stance. I'm a believer in the human being. I'm going to go out on a limb here, um, but I think that that's one of the reasons that President Obama and we at the Department of Commerce have made you know skills training and workforce training uh, so uh, such a, a fundamental part of what we do. Even though I'm at the Department of Commerce, I have yet to meet a business leader who hasn't said to me, I'm struggling to find the talent I need mm-hmm. for the jobs that I have open. You know, right. we have 5.9 million jobs open in this country, right. and we're not filling those jobs because them. we're not matching the skills right. that are needed with the, the talent that's out there.
0: What does a job in 20 years look like for me, if you had to just guess? either of us will be working I think but
1: I mean 25 years from now. Well I hope I'm working. (laughs) (laughs) If I I retire it's really going to be trouble for everyone. Anyway um, you know I think that it's a lot of um, you know working in teams and I think jobs are working with machinery and working with uh, our digital tools Mm -hmm. and I think that You know, we're still going to need – you know, we have areas of massive underinvestment in Mm -hmm. our country, infrastructure. Infrastructure. We need a trillion dollars of investment in infrastructure. That's hard for a machine. Machines aid our ability to do that, but Mm -hmm. they don't do that work, and that's good work. We have all kinds of – the grid, we need to manage the grid. We have all kinds of great jobs out there that are, in fact – need more people for mm-hmm. and that's one of the things you know i spent uh about 10 days ago we had manufacturing day mm-hmm. advanced manufacturing is growing in yeah, our country Absolutely, 000 jobs created you know over the last uh five or six years and that's uh, uh those that's a career with great opportunity as we're you know doing more with composite materials, 3D printing, uh, photonics, etc. And so there's enormous opportunity. You know, there are jobs today that exist that didn't exist. What is it, you know, to be... You know, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as an app developer. Right. The cloud was something that had, you and what know. What is with
0: these YouTube stars? I don't get it. <laughs> exactly.
1: But your point, exactly.
0: Jobs have changed. Yeah. So w- w- when you imagine a job, do people work all the time? Or is this, this idea in Silicon Valley right now of universal basic income that everybody has, you know, a universal basic income and then jobs shift almost continually?
1: Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like work is constant now, mm-hmm. yes, because we're constant, we're always connected, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, I think the challenge is the opposite. How do you actually create downtime? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're expected, connected to our digital equipment, uh, we're expected to be instantly responsive.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's because uh, we have a problem, Penny. You and I. <laughs> well, yes. other people don't. So I know. see. Okay. Um, but again, think about what, what what does a day look like in a job? Is there is there a place you go anymore or not?
1: Well, I'm a believer in look. We have at the Department of Commerce, we have people who telecommute and work from you know wherever they are, and we have people who go to a place mm-hmm. uh, to do their job. I'll tell you it would it's hard for me to imagine doing certainly the work at commerce where we're not convening mm-hmm. I'm constantly going to convenings, and that's where the people are coming together after having analyzed all the data and analyzed all the information to say what's the decision that we're going to pursue, and um, how are we going to pursue that decision mm-hmm. so I think there's you know going to be a place for uh, offices, and uh, where you go to work. It may, m- Many jobs may not be that. Mm-hmm. And that's to the benefit of society, because not everybody wants to have to commute to a job.
2: Yeah.
0: And one of the things that's recently been on the table is the control of the internet. Talk a little bit about this, because you've had <laughs> some issues with a certain senator named Ted Cruz.
1: Well, look. Explain the issue for the people. Yes. So, first of all, control of the internet. The internet is not controlled by one entity. Mm -hmm. Uh, The department. For some reason, people in the United States think
0: we, the United States, controls it because we created it.
1: Yes, but that's not factually accurate. Right.
0: No, I get that. Uh, wow. And You're kidding. Because <laughs> yeah. this entire year has been about factual accuracy. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> I'm not, no, we're, com- not go, we're not going we're
0: there. there. <laughs> uh, I will not ask you one Trump question. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, look, the issue that has been raised is that the uh, Department of Commerce plays a role as it relates to the domain name system. Mm-hmm. And we are uh, withdrawing from that role, mm-hmm. and and putting that f- and that mm-hmm. function actually exists. Our role has been one of basically oversight. The function exists at ICANN, mm-hmm. and ICANN will continue to manage the domain name system, mm-hmm. as they have for a long time. And it's been always the intention that the U.S. government would withdraw from this role. Mm-hmm. In 2012, it became really imperative that we move along and get this done when uh, Russia, China, and 89 countries came together and said, uh, you know, the United States plays a role in the Internet, and if a government's going to do that, we should move the management and oversight of the Internet to the UN. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That would be bad. Our position uh, as a country and as our administration is that we should have a free and open Internet mm-hmm. that's managed by a multi-stakeholder community. And so we have been, you know, with the passage of the continuing resolution, the role we've played it's as changed. it has changed, mm-hmm. and it's just expired. The mm-hmm. contract expired, and so now we're out of that role. Right. Uh, and that's uh, important because, uh, as I said earlier, a free and open internet is something all of us rely upon, and it's under duress. So,
0: talk about the attacks by Senator Cruz and others.
1: Well, there were those who who believed that um, this action would make the internet more vulnerable to government forces. We've worked very hard with ICANN on a governance structure that really minimizes the role of all governments and leaves the domain name system and the governance of the internet in a multi-stakeholder diffuse oversight, which is what the internet is and which is what makes it so uh, unique.
0: Right. Were you surprised by the attacks? Or what do you, how do you respond to them? Well, What I, can happen? I don't think you can do much but complain at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, the transition has occurred, so right. it, it's over. And I think this is, you know, it's a, we feel as an administration very strongly that this is a way to keep the Internet free and open. Mm-hmm.
0: Where do you imagine it evolving going forward, just in this same style that it's been? Or something else, given the worries about, about governments like China and Russia?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that the biggest challenge is going to be and and is cybersecurity and figuring out how do we deal with these governments, you know, it. The government attacks on the internet come in both policy as well as hacking and sure. cybersecurity, and so policy is one fight that we've got going on. But in cybersecurity, this is where we've got to find ways for the U- the government and the private sector to work together. I think that um, the president has uh, created a cybersecurity commission. Mm-hmm. That commission is due to put out a report. December 1st, with a blueprint for the next administration as to how to go about dealing with the breadth of cybersecurity issues, not just for the government, but in general, how should we posture ourselves. So I don't want to get ahead yeah. of that, but so, that'll be that's an important report. So
0: let's finish just by talking about, you know, here you are at the end of the administration. What are some of the things you think the next, administ- I know you don't like giving advice to the next group, but what do you think the key issues for business, especially given the impact of tech and the need for governments? And the private sector work together, and all the issues: healthcare, driving, transportation, privacy, digital information, entertainment. Everything touches digital now in business.
1: Absolutely, I so think you what know, d- the economy is, is critical digital. If you were. So I Just think one of the, the next department. Well, and, and in fact, I am working on a transition a, documents. A, yes, but also a letter to the next secretary that talked this. And I would say one of the things in, in my letter is about engaging with tech leaders and engaging with digital policy agenda. It's very fertile. There's a lot going on in the world, and there, it's a very big role for the secretary of commerce and the commerce team because we run the national telecommunications and information agency we run the national institute of standards and technology we run Mm -hmm. the patent and trademark office i keep going on and on we have lots of equities Mm -hmm. in the tech world in the digital economy and so i think my advice to the next secretary is you want a strong digital agenda and you want to personally engage in that it's it, there's enormous action there and a lot of opportunity to uh work towards addressing some of the challenges i think a second area is on data The Department of Commerce is.
0: That's a lot of data.
1: Huge. We produce 20 to 40 terabytes of data a day. Between the census and the surveys that we do, the National Weather Service, the Patent and Trademark Office, our economic statistics data, we're full of information. We have had a concerted effort over the last 18 to 24 months to really make more of our data available, Mm -hmm. to improve the quality of our data as it relates to GDP. And third is we've created something called the Commerce Data Service to really also create products that can be used both within the government and externally.
2: And
1: And we're working, we have more partnerships now. Uh, We're just announcing 35 partnerships with different private sector companies uh, on data. So we've got a robust agenda, but it's really, if you were to use you know, baseball terms, since I'm a Cubs mm-hmm. fan and baseball's on my mind, we're in the first or second inning of a data agenda. That's another area uh, fertile for engagement and lots to do there. You know, f- trade and foreign direct investment, really, really important. That's why you know the Trans-Pacific Partnership one of the reasons we're so focused on this is because of the value of the Trans-Pacific Partnership to the digital economy it's the first trade agreement that has an e-commerce chapter that we you know prohibits data localization that really addresses a number mm-hmm. of the policy issues 12 countries agreeing to policies that favor technology and e-commerce. So that's, a, you know, very, very important, trade, attracting foreign direct investment. Um, you know, the Department of Commerce also is involved in climate science. Uh, we run NOAA, and that's an area both fertile for continued scientific exploration, but also for, I think there's an enormous... Post the Paris Agreement and the recent agreement mm-hmm. of countries to commit to lower carbon emissions, the U.S. has great technologies. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Commerce, through the International Trade Administration, as well as through the our work with NOAA, has an opportunity to bring those technologies around so. the world to the benefit of the U.S., not just companies, but workers and creating jobs here. So
0: last question. What's your next job?
1: I don't you're
0: ride an Uber. You're gonna drive an Uber, right?
1: <laughs> I'd like to ride in an Uber. I'm not the greatest driver. What's your next? Uh, one? You know, I don't know. I I'm going back to Chicago, and I've got to figure out what I'm gonna do when I grow up.
0: All right, and we're here with uh, Secretary of Commerce Penny Pritzker. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with European Competition Commissioner Marguerite Vestager, Secretary of Defense Ash Carter, and actor and investor Ashton Kutcher. All those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host Two Embarrassed Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes this show. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.